0: Welcome to LilyPod episode 83, A Mighty Change of Heart with Alyssa. Jeff and Kathy Tykert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches, authors of the Amazon bestseller Intentional Courtship, and members of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships.
1: Hello, LilyPod listeners, and welcome to another episode of LilyPod. We have a special guest today. Uh, Alyssa McConkie is a member of our Love and Later Years community, and uh, we found out about her uh, just through a post in the Facebook group. Uh, but as we've talked more, we think she has a really fascinating story to tell, and uh, so we wanted to get her on here and give her an opportunity to, uh, to do that. So Alyssa, can you tell us, first of all, just a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into your story uh, for, you know, further on.
2: Yeah, um, I'm from Salt Lake, was born here and spent most of my life here, a little bit of time in California growing up, but here, graduated from high school, graduated from the University of Utah in human development, I got my studies.
1: So all 22. three of us have that
2: degree. Yeah, um, <laughs> it took me a while to graduate. I went on a mission you know it took me 9 years to graduate i had two babies went on a mission and then graduated
1: so where did, where did you go on your mission new zealand oh i went to australia so
2: oh, i love you you were neighbors kind of <laughs> yeah it was an, um i had an amazing mission i went a little bit later at 22 um came home from my mission um and got married pretty quickly because i had dated my previous husband in high school okay, and college. So we had known each other since I was 15 and had been hanging out. And then um, I got married soon, soon after. Um,
0: did he wait for you? Is that the plan or did it just work out that way?
2: It just kind of worked out that way. We both almost married. He was actually engaged to someone different. I almost married someone different who had written me during my mission. But we both ended out... Ending those relationships and then but not with each other's knowledge, kind of not hoping. Anyway, it just kind of worked out that way. Oh, well, you okay. didn't I didn't wait
1: for him and he didn't wait for me. It just worked And then out independently
0: you both became available. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So one one less relevant question, but I think people are gonna are gonna wonder uh, are you related to Bruce R. mcconkey
2: I am, and that may come into Okay. the story eventually but so Bruce is my grandpa's brother my grandpa's oldest brother so like your
1: great uncle then yeah he's my great uncle okay um, all right yeah I grew up with him as an apostle so yeah we, we can you can feel free to bring that up as we as we continue well, did you have more on on your introduction um well just a little thing about Bruce that I'll bring up is I didn't know too much about him
2: you know I knew it was an apostle my grandpa's brother um, but when I got diagnosed with colon rectal cancer, Bruce had that and he that's what he died from.
1: Oh, that's right. And
2: and that's what his oldest son died from too. So it oh. kind of became more Joseph um eventually passed from that.
0: You got more of his genes than you wanted.
2: Oh yes. I realized that oh. on Ancestry because I connected to both of his daughters, but it didn't say McConkey. And so I was like, who are these women that are like my cousins? And then I found out they were Bruce's daughters and our DNA is really similar. And thus maybe the cancer, but yeah. it-
0: Can run in families. Yeah, no, and he no, loves he... to
2: run. and We just have a lot in common. I realized it was like,
1: oh, That's he was so... a runner too. And... Was, your, was your grandfather Oscar McConkey? Which one was he? Brit. Brit, okay.
2: Yeah, I think he's the third son. I think okay. it goes Bruce, it might go Bruce Britt, Oscar, or Bruce, Oscar Britt, and then James is, is the baby of the family.
1: I, I know of Oscar, obviously, because of he was a prominent attorney uh, when I was going to law school, really. So
2: Oscar Sr., is that who, like my great-grandpa, or his, or I Bruce's think it brother? would have been your grandpa. Or my grandpa's brother.
1: Grandpa's brother is what I mean. Yeah. yeah.
2: Okay. Because my grandpa, great grandpa, was an attorney too. Oscar.
1: Okay.
0: So earlier, I don't know if you said your school, and if I missed it, but what, what, uh, where did you go to college?
2: University of Utah.
0: University yeah. of Utah. Okay. I went to Utah State, and Jeff went to BYU.
2: Yeah, we're covering all the bases except for <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah. And then um, as far as like career wise, like what have you done since school other than being a mother, which is a huge job?
2: So I have three kids and um, got pregnant really soon after getting married, had a baby within the year, the first year, had two more kids. um, So three kids within five years, stayed home with them for until my youngest went to preschool. And then I started teaching preschool and took him with me to work
1: do you have boys and or girls or two girls and a boy okay okay and
2: then yeah and, and i really wanted to teach preschool even before so it was a perfect i tried to do other things and then i always miss my students and just yeah to go back. But that's still those what kids are so
0: cute like such cute ages yeah
2: and that's what i still do i've done it for 16 years awesome excellent
1: <clears throat>
0: and one one last personal question what do you like to do like
2: hobby wise Hiking.
1: Okay. I, oh, well, I love hiking. we like that too.
2: Yeah. So I love hiking. I love being outside. I mean, I was a swimmer in high school, but, um, but mostly hiking, some running. I haven't been running as much since, um, I've gone through chemo and stuff like that, but I imagine. Yeah.
0: You've slept anyway. as much as you need to.
2: Yeah. But I handle chemo. Yeah. So much better than a lot of people. So I'm really, really grateful. You don't
1: look sick. I mean, really, you don't.
0: Well, I think you mentioned to me that you are trying to believe right now that you are cancer free, and you're going to find out soon if
1: you if that's true. Yeah. So So I believe you're not that you are cancer free. Also.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm. I will not be bitter either way, but I'm just trying to be hopeful. You know, hopefully, they're like we can't see any sign of it, and that I'll find out at the end of the month. Okay. If they can see the tumor or not, and then that will decide about if I get surgery.
0: Yeah. So, um, so this is in July when we're recording this, but I believe it will come out in August. So by then we'll know. Yeah. Yeah. So you'll have to let us know. Yeah. We'll definitely be praying for you and interested to hear. Thank you.
2: I appreciate all the prayers. I do feel like it's made a big difference and I've been pretty, um, public about my cancer diagnosis, on facebook because yeah. i appreciate all the prayers
1: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah my uh my best friend has has been dealing with the cancer and she's not very public about it but it's not a secret and she's definitely let everyone know that needs to know and um, she they're gonna be coming up on a podcast soon um She, she got married last year for the first time, which is really exciting. While
1: going through chemo.
0: Yeah. And and they planned it right between everything was planned right between her visits and they, they're just so happy together. I think it's really helped her to, to feel that joy in their relationship and, uh, and it's, yeah. And she's feeling really hopeful lately as well. So it's, uh, it's a good thing to be, have to have a positive mindset when you're trying to heal.
1: First marriage for both of them in their forties. So.
2: Oh, that is exciting. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: And our interview with them is coming up in just a few weeks. So. I can't wait to listen. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, um, yeah, let's maybe move on to our, yeah. To our next question, which is like, just tell us a little bit about your story with your marriage and, um, and the relationship, um, as it's progressed through the years, and uh, I believe that you've also had, um, like you had a bit of a faith crisis as part of all of yeah. this stuff. So, so you can weave that
1: in there too. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And we know, I know, we have a lot of people who can relate to that. And we we've even touched on faith crisis in our YouTube video, like in a YouTube video that we we recently posted. So yeah, tell us about yeah marriage. Okay. Um, um, nice. I, I believe that you're separated
2: and
1: yeah for a bit
2: and now I'm divorced um okay but so we got married soon, like soon after I got from my mission um got married in the temple You served a mission I served a mission I figured it was going to be kind of easy breezy because you know we did everything the way that we were supposed to so I thought okay you know we got married in the temple we went on missions We were both very dedicated to the church in a hundred percent, 110%. I feel like, I mean, I was, I listened to the BYU devotional every day at 11 o'clock, five days a week
1: to get like my,
2: my little fill for the day to keep me motivated. And I just started getting more and more depressed the longer that I was married though. So within five years, I was feeling really hopeless. I mean, I thought I'm going to the temple, I'm reading my scriptures, I'm i don't, I'm doing my calling, I was in the primary presidency, I, I did really love that, and it did make me think oh, I want to be a preschool teacher, but I think now looking back, I blamed the church for my depression, whereas now I'm like, oh, it was the marital problems that were making me feel really helpless,
1: and just I couldn't figure out how to fix. And were those relationships pretty evident from the get-go, or did you have a honeymoon period? We
2: didn't really have a honeymoon period because I think we had since I we got married when I was 24 and we had known each other since I was 15. It really like we really knew each other, but I knew really soon my anxiety was going up and up and up. And then his avoidant behaviors were going up and up and up, and pretty soon. It was just, we were just not
0: Kind of in connected. a marriage, but not having, enjoying one.
2: Yeah. Like I was always trying to get closer and he was trying, you know, trying to not get closer. I just, yeah. it was obvious that there was something wrong. And so I had always, I think I mentioned this, I had been obsessed with having a good marriage because my parents had gotten divorced. And I thought, I'm going to major in human development. I'm going to read every single book. I, I'm going to break this. I'm going to have it all figured out in my head, you know, like, think my way through it. That um, it, even though I knew all the information, Harville Hendricks, um, anxious avoidant attachment, and just all the things.
1: Lots of theories know. and ideas.
2: Yeah, and it just, none of it even though I knew it, I couldn't fix it.
0: Right. Well, and I mean, even doctors get sick, right? Even yeah. with all their schooling. And I, you know, I think it, it might be pretty common for people to, like us who've witnessed relationships that weren't working, to want something better for ourselves. So we go and we get a degree or uh, some equivalent of education for ourselves and we, we're going to make it different, and sometimes that works, and sometimes it doesn't. And yeah. unfortunately for all of us, we
2: experienced more of what we didn't want. Yeah, it kind of self. I, I think.
1: Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
2: Oh no. I. I mean, I don't know if it's a self-fulfilling prophecy, but I do know that I was focusing on the problems, trying to fix them, and maybe just too much focus. On the problem i really uh, you don't know because i never fixed it
0: <laughs> I, yeah no i think that's a real thing and and because i know and i'm familiar with the law of attraction and what you put your focus on you get more of and what's interesting is it's as, as simple as reframing what we don't want into what we do want in that can make all the difference in what we attract into our lives and so that's something i maybe just like to to emphasize right here is that, you know, all the things we don't want can inform our choices um, and it can lead us to that reframe that then allows us to attract what we do want. But we do have to do that reframing. That's really important. And that's what we we, we do our work with our coaching um, so that, you know, we can help our clients start attracting what they do want instead of constantly being frustrated that they keep getting what they don't want. Yep. Um, Cause I think most of us, when we fear something and when we don't want it, that's, we can't almost can't help, but focus on it unless we put intentional effort into shifting that.
2: You I know, you would I. Have, I would thought,
0: thought. you wish you would have known that back then. <coughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I but that's never too late. We're still growing and learning and mm-hmm. yeah. And sometimes you just kind of have to write all the stuff down you don't want. Cause you've got that in your head, very clear. And mm-hmm. then go to that other side of the paper and think, okay, what's the opposite of that?
1: Mm -hmm. and come up
0: with all the feel-good words, all the good, you know, all the good things you do want, then take that other side and get rid of it, start reframing all of that.
1: I I think you've read Intentional Courtship, um, but in any event, there's a, toward the end of the book, there's an observation that I made about my first marriage that uh, my, my first wife, she liked a lot of personal space and alone time and you know she wanted to to kind of be off by herself a lot and and uh wasn't as interested in connection and for me it was all about connection and so we had sort of a pursuer distancer dynamic where i mean i was definitely the pursuer she was the distancer I guess usually that goes the other way. It's the woman pursuing and the man that's distancing. But, but in our case, it wasn't. It was the, the way I just described. And uh, I, I don't fault her for wanting those things or being that way. But I guess the larger point is, even though I was a family science major too, and I was trying to use all that knowledge and education to figure out you know, our marriage and what, we, what had gone wrong with it and all of that, I think when I was married at 26 that question about gosh how we would spend our evenings together or do you want more connection or more distance or whatever that was a question I didn't even know to ask you know it was one of those things that can come up in marriage and I, I mean even with all the education that I had in that it didn't uh you know, there was a certain level of life experience I just lacked uh, in being able to even assess whether that that was going to be a potential issue.
2: And I think we can fall into that pattern of being a pursuer, distancer, but whoever our partner is, we act different. So in high school, when I dated, the guys that I dated were always the pursuers, and I was always distancing, like, ah and then I got married and then I became you know I thought we're married I began to preserve because I'm like okay we're married now we can be you know physically close and emotionally close so I'm all in and then it I and I was not used to that because I had not played that part before
0: right and then you're playing it with someone who isn't playing back and that's yeah that's hard
2: yeah it was very I hope, I was just like, wait. And I looked at my little sisters and they were having such a different experience. And I was like, wait, we're all kind of similar. But who you marry and who you're interacting with, we do play on each other.
0: Right. So, you know, kind of moving into the faith crisis part, when did that start? Because oh. I mean, you were so devout, so I active. So de-
2: so I was so devout and I was becoming so unhappy. And I thought, okay, well, it must be, our life plan like it must be the church if you do everything the church says you could still be miserable so maybe this is just wrong because I'm not happy I couldn't pray anymore than I was praying or be any more active so my solution was okay let's not be members and let's just focus on our relationship and be authentic and try our own path not the path that the church gave us
1: was that kind of your next thing to try? Is that yes. the idea?
2: I mean, I went to therapy and I told my therapist that idea. And she said, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. And I was like, well, I have to do something because I cannot lose my marriage. Yeah. I was more scared of losing my marriage than I was of losing being a member of the church. I was so holding so tight to it that this this has to work.
0: Because it was the most important thing that you'd ever
2: done thinking
0: about your whole life wanting that more than anything
2: making it work with the kids and we were a family and this is just what families do and so this will fix everything we won't we'll focus on each other and our interests so i left i had been gone for maybe 10 years from the church and it wasn't getting so much better so i figured if he joined me on that route (laughs) it would get better and for a little bit it did and then it just started to get did worse. he
1: join you in the
2: in being inactive yeah, yeah he, he was like okay you know okay I mean I kind of pulled him kicking and screaming but he finally was like okay we'll give this a try um and for a little bit it was good and then it just started to get worse and worse like I was like oh this is even worse than before you know like it just was bad and so I could see then that I was like and I even brought up let's go back to church this experiment failed <laughs> I was like this this failed it's worse our relationship's even worse than it was before let's go back and then at that point he was like oh I'm never going back oh. I'm never going back and I don't want to do counseling and I just I'm done
1: I just, just he was just and at that so he point, wanted the divorce at that point
2: he he didn't at that point he was just good he is like maybe your previous wife who was just kind of good on his own he didn't really want to have an engaged marriage but he didn't want to go to counseling but he didn't want to get divorced at that point he just said so you were this.
0: stuck with the choice can yeah. i live with this so, yeah,
2: And my therapist told me, "You know, if you stay like this, you are going to be the loneliest person. you I do not see you being happy if you stay and you will just be so lonely. Yeah, um, and I stayed for quite a while, and eventually i I wasn't suicidal, but I didn't really want to live anymore, especially after the pandemic. We're isolating together, I feeling not connected to him. And I just was so unhappy, and my sister's like, "Come live with me." I think she really worried for my life, <laughs> you know. Just come live with me. Let's see. My youngest went off to college. Yeah. I moved in with my little sister, um, and I did start to do a little bit better. But the idea of getting divorced also put me into a tailspin. Like I just, I started having panic attacks, which I had never had. Um, Well,
0: it doesn't help that you were also experiencing a worldwide pandemic at the same time.
2: Yeah. I was just like, oh, it was all. Yeah. I mean, I just the idea of getting divorced. Just I was I really related to Jack when he would talk about that in his podcast. I was just I just thought this is my life's work. This is everything I've dedicated myself to for 23 years. And even before that, because I had prepared to get married, reading all the books and just being so excited, and just to have it fail in my mind was just—I just, yeah, couldn't, I couldn't deal with it. So I tried medication that did not. It was your biggest fear, and it, it was, was my happening. fear. Yeah. It was happening, and I just medication didn't help. And this is where I have to say, I knew I had to sign the divorce papers, and that's when. I decided to find out my membership number and contact my bishop, get a Patriot. At this point, yeah.
0: how long had you not been? 10, about 10 years, you said?
2: Oh, at this point, almost 20 years Okay. since I had gone to church. Okay. Like, I mean, I had gone for like a blessing here and there, but it was almost 20 years. But I- So
1: Were your kids not members either?
2: My youngest is not. My older two were baptized, but my youngest had never because even at that point um his dad was kind of had left too right. because I had and I still hold so much guilt it's still playing really hard for me that I'm like why why was that my idea it was so terrible
0: well, <laughs> you were trying something yep. different well yep. I think you said you had some negative interactions
2: about the church in your relationship right yeah and, and that yes. was part of it that was, I definitely thought that I saw there was a lot of <clears throat> kind of inequality that I started to think was the church's fault. It
1: was patriarchy kind patriarchy, of thing. Patriarchy,
2: yeah. And I thought, okay, well, when that's removed from our lives, then my marriage, I'm going to be treated like an equal and my views will be seen as just as important as his views. Mm-hmm. And no, I was like, oh, the church, it's been really eye opening to me. Um, that i think there was a show that just came out under the banner of heaven i think that's mm-hmm. what it is, and people were like oh the church makes men act in these ways and after what i experienced i was like oh the church was the best thing that ever happened for my previous husband without it it was it made it worse it made it way worse i mean so we can blame we can blame religion but i think often they just are using religion in a way that's not healthy.
0: Right. It was more of a psychological problem. And religion was just. A tool. Yeah.
1: So did you get the deep hollow ache? The deep, you I mean with getting divorced? Yeah. Yeah.
2: I mean, I still just struggle that. I, I always thought, I'm the oldest of five. And I think I always thought I can fix
1: anything. We're all like the oldest
0: children, by the way. I'm the yeah. oldest of three. Jeff's the
1: oldest of how many? Six. Six. So yeah. like, and I had the same thing. I thought, oh, I can, I can fix, fix whatever comes yep. up. I've, you yep. know, I'm smart enough and yep. blah, blah, yeah. blah. Confident blah. and capable. I was like, oh
2: no, you know, because especially we are both um, competent, good people. Like I knew, I was just like, well, this has to work. We cannot give up. And even still, I get where I'm like, no, this isn't right. We have to fix this. And that's where I have to like step back because it's a very like codependent, controlling, like I will force
1: us to fix this. And you can't force people to do what they don't want to do. So you have to just let go. You can't talk them into it, (laughs) no matter how smart you are. And I have tried. (laughs) Me too you know, like, nope, this is, this is
2: eternity. These are our children. I know that this is meant to be, and there is no, I'm like, and that is where I'm like, you have to let people live their own life. Right.
0: And honor agency.
2: And honor agency. And when we try to take that over, we become in more like Satan's tool because then they hate that.
1: We're codependent and Mm -hmm. we create lots of drama instead of helping solve it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so did you feel that rejection in your body somewhere, like in your chest or in your stomach or like, did you have that sort of physical pain with the, the divorce?
2: Um, I don't think, I mean, I think I felt it in my depression. So five years into being married, I think I just really started to feel like I was less than, and I thought, oh, it's the church put me in that position that women are less than, um, and I was depressed and I just wasn't but I don't I didn't have any like aches and pains, but I did have really low self-esteem. Yeah. I just really low, terrified. Just thought.
0: So you struggled with the confidence. Yeah.
2: yeah. My confidence was like just so low. I had felt so dismissed
1: for so long. Um, well, and if before you had the feeling that I'm all powerful and I can fix anything and I can make this work because I'm I'm smart and good personality and dang it, people like me. And I've me.
0: got a degree. <laughs> I've got a degree. Yeah, I have a
1: degree in family studies. Yeah. I can make it work.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I mean, we, was, we have a good friend who's a PhD in psychology and a therapist, and uh, he's been divorced a couple of times.
2: Yeah. My so, kid, I mean,
1: nobody's immune. <laughs> yeah, no, but
2: it was really good for me to live with my sister. I do feel like this was meant to be, to go into her home, See how she and her husband interacted because I had told my kids never get married, this is a nightmare, mm-hmm. or I don't know. But after I saw her and lived there and thought, No, they her husband and she treat each other like equals, it was really helped me to see marriage as being a good thing again and to see the church in action because mm-hmm. they were good members, they were trying their best, and I it really just had an influence on me so I'll be like yeah okay, I want I want what they have maybe I can keep trying yeah and
0: and I think you had mentioned to us that that was part of your transition back towards your faith was <laughs> seeing that oh relationships can be good within the faith It it was just the dynamic that was my problem <clears throat> mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, my sister is really confident and her husband treats her like an equal and she is an equal. And that's now that I look around, I went back to church and just saw more people and I thought just our dynamics weren't working. Mm -hmm. Um, But it had nothing to do with being Mormon or anything like that.
0: Something I learned in going to Rick's College back in the day, right before it became BYU-Idaho is when I was there. And I just... I remember thinking back then that nobody in the same religion really sees it the same. Like everyone has their own take on it, their own viewpoint. And so when I started dating intentionally um, before I ended up with Jeff, I I just remember thinking, I really need to observe how does this person do religion and is it compatible with the way I do it? We're not necessarily going to see everything exactly the same, but do we have a general idea? idea in the same direction though how we
2: want to do this. Yeah, that makes total sense. And I can see that. Um, One thing I was going to say too, when I lived with my sister, um, I got addicted to listening to your podcast. So I heard one and then every week I would be really excited. And I was like, okay, they have lived through this. They, uh, you know, learned lessons and moved on and Kept moving forward and didn't just give up on life and give up on marriage and give up and everything. It was really inspiring for me.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I think that's how we became familiar with you. As you mentioned that it had made a big difference in your faith and your viewpoint of religion. And, um, I think you even said you got a temple recommend.
2: Yeah. My, yeah. I mean, just, I think listening, it was a whole culmination of things, so sure. definitely I was really excited just to be like with my sister's influence, my bishop's influence, and your influence and yeah, I just was like okay, I'm 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 going back in. <laughs>
0: and you know, what, I've been meaning to tell you and I've been wanting to tell you face to face like this that that just really touched us, you know, because yeah, I mean, we we do all this stuff and we don't know how we're impacting people and for you to share that with us, so it was just really made our our day, of course, that day. And then, you know, we've been pondering it ever since. And we're like, wow, we, you know, we're making a difference and maybe we won't always know, but we really appreciate
2: that you shared that with
0: us. And you said you've listened to every podcast. I've
2: listened to every podcast. I've listened to some, you know, like three, I think I've listened to the divorce decision like three times because I'll start to think, did I do everything? Did I do everything to save this? And I'll have to listen to it over and over and over and be like, yeah, yeah, I did. I did all those things. You did. I-
0: you did all those things. In I fact, all- I, when we you were talking about it, I'm like, she did the divorce decision. Like she came to <laughs> all those conclusions. She figured out he didn't want to, to get any help. Nothing was going to change. And you knew you couldn't live with that.
2: I know, I couldn't live with that. And that it would, it would eventually maybe even have taken me where I didn't, where I would, Want to take my own life? I was like, I have to.
0: Yeah, like when you can feel your soul crushing, and if you stay, it's just can just if eating your eating away at you like day after day, and it just gets worse and worse. It's at some point you're just like, I gotta self preserve now. Yeah, because otherwise and, there's nothing left in me.
2: Yeah, I'm like you have to put your life jacket on and just be like, okay, maybe I have to go in my own direction
1: and just rebuild and it yeah.
0: doesn't make it easy but it makes it necessary you
1: yeah. know it's funny i i've got a a pretty good friend that i've known since college she was one of my former wife's roommates and she uh um she and several other people that at least appeared happily married when we were going through our situation they suggested well, why don't you guys create basically a marriage in name only because you got to keep your family together for the kids. So why don't you live with separate bedrooms and separate lives, but you get together once in a while for a family dinner, or, you know, basically you live in the same house, but you're not really married, you're divorced under the same roof. And I pondered that because I thought, you know, I would make almost any sacrifice for my kids. Um, but when I pondered that idea, the thought for me was, gosh, if I do this for five more years, there'll be nothing left of me. And, and literally it was like, it's already soul destroying to live, to live this way. Um, you know, I, I know when people are in enough pain, they'll do almost anything for a little relief. And I thought, yeah, I'm going to be vulnerable to affairs. I'm going to be, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there, there were all kinds of scenarios I could see where if I don't find a way to shift this, then this is not going to end well for me. No. And, uh, and likewise for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm not suggesting that the first hint of trouble, people run out and get divorced, Um, because that is hard on kids. And I think the hardest, you know, the most painful thing that my kids have ever experienced is still my divorce from their mother. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think a lot of times people don't really, that haven't been there, don't really understand the deep pain that you you feel that drives this decision. And and interestingly, the, the one person I mentioned before who one time kind of lectured me on you just you've got to slam the door on divorce don't even consider it you're living under the same roof well she ended up getting divorced herself and and she found out how painful and difficult and you know the the kind of thing that causes people to take that dramatic of a step particularly people of our faith
2: Well, and yeah, I think you leave yourself open to suicide, affairs, because you're so lonely that you're like, maybe I shouldn't be alive. I can end this loneliness. I can just not be alive. Or, you know, people might have affairs or do different things. And I also think when you were talking about that of the temple and just of Heavenly Father's plan, I don't think the plan was just for no matter what. We live in the same family. We keep our family together, but we're not really married. I mean, it's just on paper. It's a sham. And I don't think that's what Heavenly Father, we can't grow from each other if we're not even interacting.
0: <laughs> right. Well, and and I I think the way that we help each other to grow the most is by being kind mm-hmm. and aware when we're triggering each other and being sensitive to that and allowing. that that, those triggers to come up and to be healed and released rather than pouring more salt on those wounds that, um, you know, we all carry from childhood and, you know, Mm -hmm. various experiences, you know, during our, our, uh, during a Facebook live we did recently, um, we, I, I mentioned that Jeff and I, between the two of us have been mayor had gone through four marriages and four divorces before finding each other. And in really in order to prepare us for the marriage we have now and I thought that almost sounds like I'm proud of it I'm not proud of it those were hard experiences and we wouldn't wish them on our worst enemy but we're not ashamed of them like we've 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 affirmatively decided to not be ashamed of them because what's what is the purpose of that what good does that do? That doesn't add goodness to our lives, but to recognize that they were part of our path and that they made us better people because of what we've like the, the hard work we've done on our own minds and our own hearts and figuring out how to show up in our relationship better.
2: Um, you know, it, it really can be a gift. Uh it's just it, really hard. It's a yeah. And I yeah, it made me think of that. My divorce was so hard on me that finding out that I had cancer, it didn't even, it didn't even seem like a, a big
1: deal. <laughs> of the hard,
2: that's how hard my divorce was for me. Yeah, I mean, my I just, sister
0: died around the time I started kind of separating and like, you know, trying to figure out if, if my marriage could work. And it actually did go another three or four years after that. But at the time we were on the brink of divorce and then we eventually did. But like when she died, I was like, and, and, and some people who've experienced death of a loved one but not divorced do not understand how we could say this, but um, Jeff felt the same way about the death of his little brother. It's like, yes, it was, it was very hard, hard and it was sad, but nothing compared to like the severing of an intimate partnership. That is just really rough. Yeah,
2: and yeah, I 100% agree. On the gift side that I was trying to go towards those because I had done the divorce, it was so hard for me. I feel like I was more prepared. So I had signed my divorce papers. And a few months later, um, I was diagnosed with cancer. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the work that I did to get healthy and spiritual from my divorce, Mm. that also put me in a place that I was so much better to deal with.
1: Yeah. So you're almost like like,
2: cancer. I can handle this. I can handle this. (laughs) I really did. I mean, I feel like of course, I didn't want to hear that because I didn't have any symptoms. Oh, here's another little plug Um, for getting a cloth because I didn't have any symptoms and I didn't, you know, I just went getting my regular preventative. I go in. So it was very shocking and I was almost didn't believe it. I almost had to see the papers and I was like, no, this is not me. I'm really healthy. This can't be happening to me. Um, But it had really prepared me to face, just to face what I had to face. Because cancer still, I mean, chemo is hard. Radiation is hard. surgeries. I mean, and some people don't make it. I mean, it is not an easy thing. Um, But I think all of our, these things can be a gift. If we turn the perspective to make it a gift.
0: Oh, yeah. We can grow. Well, and I don't know if you have, have done this or felt this, but I know at one point I felt very strongly I believe it was in the temple that I that I got this revelation that both of my marriages and subsequent divorces were part of my life path and I knew it like I knew it deep in my heart and so anytime I felt tempted to regret a decision or think maybe I should have done something <clears throat> different well there's no should ofs if it's part of my path right and it I think God needed me to know that because I, it was it was very clear. Um, have
2: you, have you felt any of that? I have more with my cancer diagnosis that um, I was never angry or bitter or like why is this happening to me. And I kind I feel like my sister thought she, she made a comment. She's like it was like you were juggling with the divorce and then you got thrown a watermelon, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like with cancer. Like how is this even? But with that, I very much felt like I probably chosen to have this in a previous in the pre-existence. I I, felt like
1: I I lost everything that Job lost except my health. And of course, you lost that, too, in the middle of everything. Um, But the good news, of course, is that God gave Job twice as much as he had before. And of course, I believe he's going to give you twice as much as you had before. Um, I want to ask you though, I I I just know in my own experience, I had the words of President McKay ringing in my head, no other success can compensate for failure in the home. And so getting divorced, I kind of felt like, okay, that test has, we've got the results, the, the results are in, and I'm a failure. I get an F.
0: And I'm sure there's so many people who feel that way.
1: Did you have that kind of, I mean, whether it was through that specific statement or not, did you have that kind of Latter day Saint guilt over? Oh, and I I still do. At the thing that was most important. I mean, I still think,
2: how did I not make this work? But something that does really motivate me that my bishop said when he was about to give me a blessing. um, about my kids and I worry about my kids how could I I want to pass on better things to my children and and he was like it's the long game and so I've tried to focus on that I can be an example to my kids now as they watch since I have cancer and I've been through the how am I handling it how it's the long game how do they
1: this, how do they see uh, me
2: and so I this can show stew them takes a
1: long time to cook that's how I say it
2: yes the stew takes a long time to cook and they will face hard things And I can just keep choosing to be obedient and faithful and trust in the Lord, rely on my savior, have a good attitude, try my best, you know, repent and move on and let those things go because that's why we're here. I mean, we're all going to make mistakes and I just need to show them, keep on going, just, you know, repent, make better choices, learn, grow. Yeah.
0: You know, I love that you mentioned letting go because there are so many things that we find in the divorce process that don't serve us. Um, the, the guilt, the, the I've failed feeling, uh, because if we're in the long game, that's not going to serve our long game. Uh, but recognizing it's part of our path, which is what we're encouraging people to believe, because I, I guess, how do we know it's part of our path? Is because it is is. exactly so might as well accept it and and move forward from that you know and let go of the all the thoughts that you know really just kind of keep us stuck
2: yeah and why say stuck I mean it's just not I have wondered if my cancer is connected um with not letting go Mm -hmm. I feel like I held on I mean I've been married 25 years that I maybe held on too long. But I still struggle, even though I said that was too long. I still struggle with being just like it's done and move on.
0: Tell us how you through the blessing you got, it gave you the courage and the power to sign those divorce papers. Can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Yeah, um, I just felt like I shouldn't, I didn't want to. And that couldn't have been God's plan for me to sign these four papers. I was like, nope, I can't, I can't do it. Um, and in the blessing, he's like, let go, forgive. You know, there's things in store for you. Just be kind and loving, forgive, move on. And just that advice to just forgive and let go and move on. I still think is the best advice because if I start getting upset about the way our marriage worked out, then I'm just not productive. It's not productive. Right. It right. No-
0: and we, we can get really tempted to ruminate on all of that stuff and just lose our peace
1: to it. Yep. Yeah. Can, you,
2: yeah.
1: can you picture, um, you know, now or before, or, or before you go to bed at night or whenever, can you, you know, sort of close your eyes and picture God sitting up on his heavenly throne saying, look, kid, be patient. I have something much better for you. Uh, stick with me.
2: Mm-hmm. I, I do think that is stick with me. Um, and that keeps coming through my head, you know, that he is with us. If we put him first, it will work out. And I even believe it will work out as we pass away. We might not live forever, but as we will have the strength and the peace, whatever hard things come, if we stay close to him, we will be able to handle it and be okay if we trust in him. When we put our trust in him and we're just patient, it just gives me so much peace that I had been fighting when I thought, no, I know. I know my family's gonna be like this, it's gonna look like this, and this. so we just have to trust. Yeah, I mean,
1: I've, you know, I, I relate to that a great deal. And, and a, in my experience, all of the things that I thought were tragedies turned out to be tender mercies. Um, I mean, it was very difficult and I didn't have that perspective at the time I went through those things, you know, five years of almost homeless level poverty, you know, where I struggled and struggled to try to get some traction and get back into the game of life and couldn't seem to, um, you know, and,
0: and that happened with my health for about the same amount of time.
1: Loss of a, of a marriage, which even though it was very broken, I valued it highly. And, you know, yet when I think about it, if I hadn't gone through all that, I wouldn't have Kathy. I wouldn't have the amazing career I have now. Uh, we wouldn't have love in later years, obviously. And I wouldn't have two more sons to add to the two I had. So literally in almost every way, God has given me twice as much as I had before. And uh, I, I think it's hard, though, when you're in the middle of the trial to really understand that, well, like what Paul promised us, all things work together for a good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose.
0: Well, and we're being shaped through these experiences, and for me um illness has helped me know how to slow down and the importance of it and that i don't get to control everything and that i don't get to push my body to the breaking point and not have it break and i also have had to let go like you and i i think even some of my my stuff it and it hasn't been cancer but it's been autoimmune and digestive and uh and energy like crashes like fat- extreme fatigue, I mean, like where I could hardly walk. Extreme, and uh, I, I just remember all of that, you know, helping me learn that I, I can't, I can't just give until I'm on empty, um, and, and also, you know, I've got to learn to let go of what I, you know, what I can't control, and allow, and getting mad at it doesn't help. <laughs> you know, like getting mad at cancer doesn't cure it. You know, you gotta just accept what comes and go through the motions. And I, I really think we're shaped through every experience including divorce, including relationships that are hard. Um, and uh, I I think, and, and it's been kind of rolling through my head that the only reason we ever make a sacrifice the only sacrifices that have ever been made uh, have been has been to make room for something better always Mm -hmm. so this letting go thing isn't just saying I'm losing something it's saying I'm going to make space
2: Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to trust in God
0: yeah and Mm -hmm. I'm trusting he's making space in my life for something better with these closed doors
1: yeah I mean even losing my brother I think you know there were probably times in my life when he was an influence and I didn't see it. Um, and I know that for him, passing to the other side, he had no fear of death. Um, he saw it as an act of consecration. Um, so I think even with that, I mean, I, I didn't want it. <laughs> you know, it was very hard to lose him, but, but it also made space. For some really important things, so I was going to ask you. I mean, sounds like a ludicrous question, but do you intend to give up on your kids? Um, you know,
0: <laughs> it is uh, a ludicrous. Question. And they're,
1: you know, you mentioned that they're not that they're not in the church, and you know, do you intend to give up on them?
2: Um, no, I mean, I love them. Like I always have loved them I've been really lucky with my family when because I know i talk talked to people who haven't had my experience when I decided to I mean I went from like in the primary presidency going to the temple to just nothing like then just I didn't go I took my garments off I didn't I was just like I'm done and my family was so great about it I mean not that they were like yay I mean they were sad but they didn't, they just said, we love you. You know, my grandparents on both sides just, we love you, just the same. We love you, we love you, we love you. And um, even, so that, I feel like I've had a great experience. That, that is they, so good. They were so and, kind and great. Good. And, and but the, I feel like I wanna be the same to my kids.
1: I'm like, I love but, them and. And the, the point of my ludicrous question
0: <laughs> What is, is the point, Jess?
1: <clears throat> Uh, Jesus said, you know, that, that if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, uh, how much more is God willing to give good gifts to us? And so I think anytime you feel like, um, I've failed, I've made so many mistakes, you know, is God finished working with you? Well, if you're going to persevere with your kids, um, he's certainly going to persevere with you. And, And I also believe that redemption has a lot to do with restoring things that were lost. It doesn't mean like, like Kathy said, it doesn't mean that those things are within our control. I mean, I've got a son that's a daredevil and Kathy could tell you, you know, we were hiking with him last summer. He
2: just just
1: hopped off this cliff onto a (laughs) cliff below several feet where one false slip would have meant death. Okay, that kind of stuff drives me nuts about oh, him. Oh, yeah. But I can't do anything about it. You know, I I can give him my opinion nicely, but he's gonna do what he's gonna do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And and so I can't make him, you know, I, I just pray that he'll live long enough to wise up. Yeah. <laughs> and uh he's and wise he probably
2: up. probably will i mean that one thing if you would have known me 10 years ago or 15 years ago i no one including myself would ever 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 think that i would go back to the mormon church and be active lbs i would have bet a million dollars against that ever happening so if it can part of me is like if it happened to me (laughs) We never know what our life holds for our kids and what it's going to take. And a lot of times, tragedies. I hate that there are tragedies, but my daughter had a tumor, a tumor in her spinal cord, actually within this, like, last two years. Mm -hmm. And when she came out of surgery, I could see a huge change in her towards spirituality. That she had made some gains. You know, she was having panic attacks. She had a lot of pain in her nerves anyway i could see that when i talked to her about trusting in god that was the only thing that we got to help calm her down and so things can happen or, you know tumors or tragedies or and we never know what good is going to come from
1: that right. yeah i mean and and i take the position i've got a son that also isn't uh involved in the church and hasn't been since his teen years. He's in his mid twenties now, um, but I just take the position that ultimately he's coming back. Mm-hmm. Um, and how mm-hmm. is that going to happen, and when? Couldn't tell you. I don't know. But
0: you love him the same either. But way. I
1: love him the same. I, yeah, I don't love him less because he doesn't go to church and because he's had some other you know issues that I wouldn't have wanted for him. But but yeah, I look. I I, I try to not. Become codependent about it by saying, you know, God knows how to do his work better than I do. Mm -hmm. And God knows the end from the beginning. And I don't have you heard the Orson F. Whitney quote where he says Joseph Smith taught and he never taught a more comforting doctrine. And he talks about kids who stray. And he said the, the the temple covenants of their parents will ultimately draw them back. To the faith and to their family and all the rest of it um and i just i just put my faith in that and say well god, god knows what to do if he wants to use me to help uh, he'll make it clear how i should be involved in that but i think right now the fundamental thing that i need to do is just let him know i love him regardless
2: that i feel like is one of my biggest struggles even with my marriage of trying to be controlling, maybe because I'm an oldest, I will orchestrate this, I will make it um work out and I have to realize with my kids, that's going to backfire right? <laughs> to try to force that I was like that is a struggle I feel like I really need to be like, I love you, I love you, period. <laughs>
0: And I'm in the long game is
2: Bishop Blunt. Bishop I'm like, that was a great quote.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. That's awesome. And you know, I don't think I've necessarily shared this because I don't think it's been pertinent, but I, I feel like I maybe could share it right now is that for a few years I didn't go to church and I, I never removed my names from the records or anything. But I was pretty bitter about the way I witnessed religious interaction growing up. And I I needed to unlearn because I, I was like, if if I'm feeling all these negative feelings of shame inside me, this is not working. You know, and that was more of a psychological issue than a religious issue, but I needed to, 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 to figure out how to separate that for myself. And I don't know if you've experienced this coming back, but it seems like when you do a purposeful unlearning of what you didn't like about how you, either you practice religion or how you interacted with others or what you witnessed, it seems like you come back in with a stronger spiritual foundation and the religion then is there to support your spirit.
2: I have, I, I do feel like I've come back even stronger than before hmm. and i Maybe. was pretty i was pretty diehard before too but i was actually very much black and white and now that i've left for almost 20 years and then back i can see things and i can i have more compassion to why people might leave you know i'm like oh my situation played a part in it and we don't know what everyone's what's going on for everyone else so we oh, do not attempt to to judge.
1: <laughs> yeah
2: yeah so i'm much less black and white much less judgmental yeah much more compassionate yeah that's how i that's how i feel too
1: you know yeah i think you found our podcast because we interviewed jennifer finlayson Mm -hmm. at one point and one thing she said during that podcast and i've heard her say it otherwise too is that to some degree or another we're all worshiping a false god um because Our finite mind can't comprehend the infinite, can't comprehend the eternal completely, and so we're kind of fitting God into the image we have of a God, and instead of what he really is, and and hopefully over life, we can get closer to understanding, But, but we all have our own conception, and I think that comes back to something we were talking about earlier, that you know, we're trying to come to a better understanding uh, of God, but, uh, you know, we have to also understand and accept that in mortality, it's always going to be, to some extent, um, an elusive pursuit. I agree. And, And I think that it takes some spiritual maturity to see that and to understand that there's, like you said, there's a whole lot of of gray area. Um, One of the best pieces of advice I've ever gotten, I I went to our Relief Society president in a ward I was in years ago. And she was also a counselor and I asked her about this home teaching family I was working with. And she told me a bunch of stuff, but the thing I really remember was keep listening and don't say anything. Don't give any advice until you feel compassion. And she said, when you feel compassion, then you're beginning to understand where they're coming Mm -hmm. from. And I found that to be really good advice. It's like you said, we don't really know what's going on with people, why they might've chosen to leave the church. Um, We just, we we're not in their heads and we don't understand yeah
2: it's something i'm definitely learning more about um this quote i was going to read this quote from the that i keep thinking about i ah, i can find it but i used to think i could i should i could give advice and change the world and if i just got one on the right page and this quote keeps going through my mind um it's yesterday i was clever so i wanted to change the world i am wise so i am changing myself and that's really made me think
1: Mm.
2: being more compassionate changing myself I will understand more I don't don't even have to worry about changing other people just worry about
0: well and it's through changing ourselves and showing up as our highest and best self uh, with the highest energy vibration
2: possible every day is how we change the world through example and it doesn't have to be and just through the words that we say without like saying do this do this do Mm -hmm. this which well and the happier you are living the gospel the
0: more your children and those around you will see that there's some benefit in it Mm -hmm. yeah and when you do so with compassion that's even added bonus because then they also feel like you understand
2: Mm -hmm. it's yeah my dad is a great example um he is divorced but he lives the gospel as best he can and he is very happy and it definitely has given me more hope that he's remarried and I'm just like, okay, it's been a good example. He doesn't have to preach it to me. I can just see it. That's good.
0: I'm so glad you've been loved through all of your hardships and all your choices
2: and and journey and through yeah. journey. So much love. And cancer was, that helped me to get so much more love in my life that I would have never expected just. People coming out of the woodwork and strangers who became friends. I just it's been a gift. I it sounds weird to say that getting cancer or having cancer can be a gift, but I've been shown so much love. Oh, that's so good.
1: Well, let me ask you something about this this journey. You said earlier, I think that you would have bet a million dollars against your ever returning to the church, which is, you know, a pretty strong statement. So what was that moment or that salient influence where you just said, okay, I'm going to go back on all of the big words I've said in the past and all of my resolve <laughs> to never be in, in the church again. What What was it that ultimately, you know, dawned on you that, oh, maybe. Uh, maybe the- um,
2: I was praying. I've always prayed. So I've never given up on god and i've pretty much been christian too i never was like jesus always um but mormonism definitely was out um but i was praying and praying and praying about what to do with my life i felt i should take yoga teacher training so i signed up to the u and um one of the assigned readings was to read the gita Mm. Um, i've read it too it's really good and um Mm -hmm. when i was reading it all of a sudden it's about service and love of God and service mostly. And all of a sudden I just like felt I'm reading the Gita and I just feel the spirit come over me to be like, this is true, but my path is through my faith of my faith of origin, where I came from. That's my path. But I knew what the Gita was saying was true that service and love of God and serving your fellow men is true. But I knew for me, i should come back i don't i i mean it sounds weird to be like yoga and the gita led me back to (laughs) Mormonism, but it really did i mean then i was just like i need to i need to get my blessing i need to i need this is going to be my healing it's going to be through my faith i can't say for everyone else what theirs is but i knew that that was um and i had been softened in a lot of other ways i think living with my sister Just different, so many kind people looking at the people around me that were happy they were living the gospel.
0: Yeah. I'm so grateful that you shared your story because it's an amazing story and that you were willing to, to serve in this capacity as our guest.
2: Yes, it is terrifying to me. This is not my, I do not like doing things like this. (laughs) You know, if
0: you hadn't have told us that before, I wouldn't have thought that at all through the interview. You've been very confident and you've been very articulate. And you've shared a lot of really great wisdom and um, thoughts as you've you know shared your journey. So thank you. And um, I actually have uh, one last question. Do you have one last question?
1: I have one last question after.
0: After me? Okay. I would just love for you to share what, um, since you've listened to every single podcast we've done, and I think so far we've done 77. Maybe when this comes out, it'll probably be 80 something. Anyway, what are your favorites?
2: Okay, I made a list. The divorce decision is not, um, it's not necessarily my favorite, but it did keep helping me to remind myself to not feel bad. Because I would just say, "Nope, I've done so, I I can fix this. There's something that I've missed. And that just helped me to be like, nope, I did all the things. But some of my my favorites, um, The Power of Letting Go, uh, Illusion of Control, I think that's 38, Number 41, Hurry and Wait,
1: Mm.
2: and 43, Rising Like a Phoenix. Uh And I don't know what numbers, but I love one about the Serenity Prayer. That's been a big part of my life for many years. I have felt that ring true to me. I really think Bill W., who created Alcoholics Anonymous, I do think he's inspired. I mean, the Serenity Prayer and the 12-step program, I think is an amazing, inspired program. And there was another one that I loved. Well, I think the Lord's prayer that always, I just always feel the spirit when, with the Lord's prayer too. And I think you did an episode on that too. We did. That I love. So all these things, I was just like, oh, I love it.
1: Yes, this has helped me.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing your favorites. Maybe our -hmm. listeners will go check those out if they haven't heard them yet.
1: So before I ask the, the last question, I, I want to first thank you for coming on. I know you were kind of nervous about it. Um, Very nervous. <laughs> but I think this this is part of um, letting your light so shine. You know, putting your light on a candlestick instead of under a bushel, so that people can see God working in your life and glorify Him. And and I think we've heard a lot of affirmations of faith, uh, despite. The, the difficulties that you've gone through, whether it's divorce or cancer or any of those, you know, the faith crisis, uh, all of it, um, you know, I think, I think we've heard a lot of affirmations of faith from you. And the last question I want to ask you is simply, is there anything else that you wanted to say or felt inspired to say or you know, we'll give you the last word on, on anything you want to talk about that we haven't covered yet.
2: Um, maybe to tell other people to share their stories. I was really hesitant. I really did not want to share my story, um, personally, but I have felt that God wants me to share my story. And your stories helped me so much that that has made me think, well, sharing my story might help someone else. And I should do that because you did that for me. So maybe I could do that for someone else. And maybe someone listening to this can share their story with someone who needs it because we just don't know where people are in their lives. And I think our stories are so important. Um, and no matter if you don't want to share it because you're scared or you feel stupid or just, I don't know, but
1: we're supposed to help each other through this life.
0: Oh, I love that.
2: Thank
0: so, you so much.
1: Alyssa McConkey was has been our guest. Um, want to tell you we love you. We're glad you're a part of our Love and Later Years community and thank you again for, for showing up and, and talking about your story and we want to tell our audience to remember, share your story. Because anytime is a great time for more love in your life. Thanks for listening.
0: And, and for watching.
1: Thanks.
0: Mm. Hey. Subscribe to LilyPod and get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, give us a positive review. We want to reach as many mid-singles and later married couples as possible. So please share this podcast with those you love. To access fabulous free content like written articles and YouTube videos on LilyTube, and to learn about our book Intentional Courtship and Lily Coaching Services, visit loveinlateryears.com.